RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, it was back in the first week of April that we first had Dr. Peter McCullough, world-famous cardiologist, uh, on our radio station. And uh, we're almost at the end of July, and he joins us again. Dr. McCullough, good to have you back again. Thanks for making some more time for us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what we're really interested in is this um, systematic review of autopsy findings that you've been involved in. And uh, it has made a bit of news around the place, but we'd like to catch up with you personally. I'm looking at it on the zenodo.org website. I note 99,000 views, 82,000 downloads, so people are interested. So tell us how this came together, what you were seeking to find, the methodology, and, and what came out of it. Really keen to know. Well, those numbers that you stated are stunning. It's coming up on 200 downloads and views. Typical paper benchmarked on that server on vaccines, 50 downloads and reads, 50, five, zero. This is coming up on 200K. I bet it's breaking every record. This is the European Commission preprint scientific ser- server. But the, the, this is what was going on. People were dying and uh, after the vaccine, they were having autopsies and they were published as single reports. And as single reports, it's hard to get a pattern. It's hard to see what's going on because they're single reports. And not only that, they were published at different time periods and there was an evolving knowledge in terms of what the vaccines did. So early on, there could have been a someone who took the vaccine and they died of a blood clot. And the conclusion by the pathologist would be, was not due to the vaccine. yeah. Because back then they didn't know the vaccine caused blood clots. And we do now. So we needed to gather all of these and have a contemporary review. I was contacted by University of Michigan student, Nick Hulsher. We got the paper approved uh, project at University of Michigan. We, we reviewed 600 papers to get all these autopsies uh, into one database, 325 cases, got all the clinical information, three independent reviewers who are familiar with pathology, cardiac pathology, have really been in the pathology lab, including myself. We reviewed them blindedly, and then we adjudicated. And the top line results were that 73.9% of the deaths were actually due to the vaccine. So wow. this is a very important finding. It's uh, you know typically occurs a week or two after the shot. Very important finding. But what happened next was amazing. We submitted it to Lancet. And you know, I had published in Lancet before. I'm a well-known author. One of my first COVID patients with, with papers was in Lancet in 2020. So it goes to Lancet. And, and, and the editorial uh, office views it relatively favorably. They say, well, we want to triage it to a lower level Lancet journal. And I said, well, no, I want to take it to a, a top shelf journal. So I respectfully declined their triage move. And this is common. I'm a former editor, so I know the business as well. And uh, so we take it out to another um, major journal. But Lancet says, you know, we'd be happy to have it on the preprint server, uh, which is fine. And so it goes through two sets of checks in the preprint server, includes, including checks on methodologies and conclusions and all the formatting. And because it's a valid paper, we use standard search methodology, by the way, and standard adjudication methodology. So it's up on the preprint server for Lancet, and overnight it's getting surges of downloads, just like it's doing on Zenodo. Yeah. And then next morning, Lancet shuts it down. Lancet and the publisher Elsevier shut it down, and they said the uh, conclusions aren't supported by the methodology. I think they were pressured by outside forces to shut it down. Who would be pressuring them? 
I think it's in, in my book, I call it the biopharmaceutical complex. I think the syndicate out there that wants to see everyone get a needle in every arm every six months is so powerful. That syndicates the World Economic Forum, the Gates Foundation, the UN, the WHO, Welcome Trust, Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, Gavi, Sepi, Unitate. They're working as a syndicate. And let me tell you what, they have got things going. We know that they're deeply involved in the uh, trusted news initiative with the British about having uh, um, false information, promoting the vaccines uh, on the internet. We know they're influencing social media, trying to crush anything on vaccine safety. And here we are, they're involved in the medical literature business. I've already had Elsevier uh, retract uh, and break the contract with me on a perfectly valid myocarditis paper. They've already done it before. So I think it's outside forces. So the traditional institutions are now corrupted, we can assume. Completely. I mean, we have uh, clear evidence. Uh, we know American College of Cardiology, for instance, in the fall of 2022, puts out a paper saying that uh, w- that cardiology patients should take COVID-19 vaccines when they cause myocarditis. They said, well, there's more myocarditis with the COVID infection, so therefore you should take the vaccine. Well, the vaccine doesn't stop the infection anyway. So now you can get more myocarditis with the vaccine and the infection. I mean, they've clearly lost their minds. I mean, no, no good cardiologist would recommend somebody take a shot that causes heart damage. It just goes against our basic <laughs> tenets of good clinical practice. No uh, obstetrician would tell a pregnant woman to take a shot that causes blood clotting because she could lose the the, the pregnancy with blood clots in the placenta. You can just tell that, that, that people have lost their minds. Have they actually lost their minds or they just don't care? Or both, or a mix of all of the above? You, you know what? These doctors and these people, they're taking the shots themselves. Right. And they're dying and they're having these complications. Canada, they have over 130 doctors who have died and they've taken the shots. We see public figure after public figure take the shots and die or have blood clots or heart damage. So it's 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 something bizarre. It's like, do they not care about their own health as well? Well, you're a doctor. You kind of should know or you'll have an insight into that. What is I that? Think, I think there's some type of fear-driven trance. They act like they're in a trance, a trance driven by fear. You know, I've recently called out the American College of Cardiology. I wrote them a letter. I know these guys on the committees. I, I said, you know, I'm seeing patients with myocarditis in my practice. They're, they're, they're getting it after the vaccine. Uh, they're having complications. People are having cardiac arrests. And guess what? No answer. It's not like they answer and say, oh, Dr. McCullough, we're so right. Everybody should take the vaccines. They just don't answer. I mean, look what happened today. Uh, you know, famed basketball player, LeBron James. His son. He, uh, his son, Bronny James has a cardiac arrest. You quickly find on the internet, LeBron James in September of 2021 says, I've done my homework. The best yeah. thing to do is for me and my family to take the vaccine. His son's going to USC. USC says the best thing for our students is to take the vaccine. We have a mandate for the students to take the vaccine. So here's this kid. We know myocarditis, when it happens, about half the time they don't feel it. And they it can't hits. play sports because yeah. the sports will trigger a cardiac arrest. That's in our guidelines before COVID even came out. 
Grammy award-winning singer Tori Kelly with blood clots, another story that's just been in the last day. Um, we've had the uh, sports commentator, the clip of him collapsing on screen. It just keeps on happening. A couple of questions back to this study. Isn't that what you undertook there? Isn't that what, you know, the, the regular authority should be doing as a matter of course anyway? You'd, you'd think there'd be some level of curiosity. This thing gets out to everybody that you'd want to do some monitoring. And uh, obviously, um, you guys pulled it together. It's it's not rocket science in methodology terms. It can be done, but it wasn't done. Is that willful, staying in some sort of willful ignorance kind of mindset or knowing that you might find something you don't like? Why why wasn't that done by the authorities? Right. It, it, they're willfully blind. In fact, they should be doing it with their own autopsies. The, the CDC, the, the TGA, the DAEN, uh, all the various vaccine uh, uh, epidemiologic systems, they should be taking every case where there's an autopsy, collating it, reporting it back. Every country should merge the vaccine administration data with their national death data. I mean, our, this is how clear it is. Our CDC, through spontaneous reporting, is telling us about 17,500 Americans have died with the COVID-19 vaccine that gets reported to them by paramedics, doctors, and nurses. About a thousand of them, it's on the same day they take the shot. It's yeah. right there. They take the shot and they die. You know, this should have been shut down in January of 2021 where people were dying. You know, if, if Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths, within 90 days of their shot. And that's where people are calling Pfizer and saying, my my family member took the shot and died. They're reporting it to Pfizer. P- Pfizer got to five of them. There should have been some emergency calls. They said, wait a minute, something's wrong. People yeah. are dying with these shots. Yeah, well, they're still promoting it here. Um, explain what this whole preprint thing is, just so we can get the sort of the logical order of how, how this information is disseminated. It starts off with, with your initial study, pulling data together, and then it goes to this preprint stage. What What is that? And then what happens? You know, prior to COVID, I never used preprint servers. They weren't very popular. Preprint servers are just a way of getting a final manuscript into press and, and formatted the right way and printed the right way. So people can look at the data before it's fully peer reviewed and accepted. Right. And so it, it, what happens is some of the papers I've worked on Paul, they take two to four years to publish. And the point is with COVID, we don't have two to four years to wait to get some new finding. So a shortcut is to do the preprint server and then go through the full publication process. So we'll see um, papers maybe take a year to get fully into print, but they've been on the preprint server for a year. The CDC is heavily relied on the preprint server where people are citing the data on the preprint server. And what I tell people is, listen, just don't trust the author's conclusions. Just look at the data. It's only about looking at the data and the supplemental tables. Uh, what we know, there are so many papers, for instance, that will be published saying that, uh, you know, the vaccine, uh, there, there are all these horrific blood clot cases or Guillain-Barre syndrome. And then the conclusion on the paper will be, well, the vaccines uh, are so important, we should continue to use them. It's like, no, they're causing blood clots and paralysis. We shouldn't have. So I, you know, many times I don't agree with the conclusions because the doctors doing this, they took the shots themselves. Their, their institutions are being funded by vaccine countermeasure. They have completely have complete conflict of interest. The only thing that's reasonable is to look at the data. 
Do you see any, though, um, um, confidence coming into, I guess, the, the areas that have been traditionally very quiet up till now, that more people are speaking out, that there's more sort of license or permission for people to say things? I mean, you've been out there hammering away for quite a while now. You must have caught the attention of many people in your profession and and, and thinking people. I'm wondering if 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 you're starting to see this ease, this this sort of cone of silence lifted. It's a one-way street. Put it this way. There's nobody who uh, for two years have said they're concerned about the vaccines that say, oh, they're now safe. I'm going to go ahead and start taking them all the time. There's, it's a one-way street. People go from thinking the vaccines were okay, taking the vaccines, and then they call what's called waking up. They wake up and they're like, oh my God, this is awful. I need to do something about it. So it's a one-way street of enlightenment and you're right. I, I've been on the right side of the argument from the very beginning. In fact, I'm the only public figure to publish in a major journal, uh, which I did as a regular contributor in the Hill the first year, a paper that questioned the vaccines before they came out. I'm the only one. No oh. one in your country actually officially publicly questioned the vaccines before they came out that I'm aware of or Australia or the United States, uh, UK or Canada. It's so interesting. How much of a hit have you taken or has it been sort of the reverse that you, you kind of, um, because you've been bold and strident and, and honest, that that you've sort of gained credibility? Yeah, I've been uh, fired for from two jobs, no reason. I've had a major lawsuit against me. I've American boards trying to strip me of my credentials. Uh, you know, my career has definitely taken a different turn. But, you know, I'm bold. I'm relentless. I just feel like I'm so much stronger in this position, I, I mean, I'm voicing concern that the vaccines cause cardiac arrest. What happens today? Another kid has a cardiac arrest. I, I can't be in a stronger position. It's not like someone can say, well, Dr. McCullough really turns out to be wrong on, on this. It, it, it's just, it's a one-way street. And my goal is, is simply to stay um, as active and assertive and consistent in the science and just hope there's enough time for people to wake up so we don't have uh, you know, so much loss of life out there or near loss of life. We've got to get going. We have to have major funding for vaccine injury syndromes. We clearly need immediate risk stratification for cardiac arrest. We have these, these cardiac arrests happening all over the place. We need major detoxification. Now, I've already taken a step there because we just can't wait. By the time we have NIH grants and clinical trials. It's going to be years before there's a proposed detoxification. So we have a major paper coming out on what's called BSD, base spike detox. That is the base core that we need to detoxify the spike protein from the body and includes three natural substances you can buy uh, in your country. Natokinase, natokinase, 2,000 units twice a day. It's a natural enzyme derived from the fermentation of soy. Bromelain, which is a medicinal substance, also a natural enzyme, degrades the spike protein derived from the stems of pineapple. And then curcumin derived from uh, turmeric, which works to reduce inflammation. Again, tries to buffet the effects of the spike protein fragments. But we've got to break down the spike protein. The human body can't break it down. Every shot, we accumulate spike protein and it just keeps building up in the body. That's what's causing all the problem. We have to clear it out of the body. These three natural products, based on the totality of evidence right now, I think it's go time. And anybody who's taking these shots needs to get on these with the caveats is that they are minor blood thinners. So we have to look for risks of bleeding. Anybody with allergies to these can't take them. Pregnant women, 
children breastfeeding can't take them. But base spike detox is called the base because we can add things to it. But everybody needs to be doing something now. They can't just be walking around as time bombs for a cardiac arrest or a blood clot. So there's hope is what you're saying. There's hope. I think there's great hope. We've been working on this for months now. I'm seeing people turn the corner at six months. I've seen friends, family members finally get uh, uh, you know, their sensation back. I've seen blood clots finally resolve. Um, wow. You know, I, I saw, I'm in the clinic right now. I saw patients today who are doing wonderful. And it just takes time, but people need to get going on it now. Best in class uh, spike protein formula is actually spike support by the wellness company. I advise them, chief scientific officer there. They will be adding curcumin and bromelain as a trio, but people ought to go to twc.health and order spike support. It can be shipped all over the world. It's the best, uh, it's the highest quality product, put it this way. I saw directly sourced from Japan, very high quality um, uh, material uh, that's in it. And uh, it, you know, we're getting great results. The, the body of scientific evidence says we need to do something because the human body can't get rid of this stuff. And these shots every six months, people just keep building it up in their body. And doesn't it um, program your body to actually make it? So you're actually manufacturing it as well, um, continuously. Um, that's how I have heard it anyway. That, that's the pro- that's the problem. So we don't know once we get on base spike uh, detox, we don't know how long we have to continue it, but we know we need at least three months to kind of catch up and get ahead of the process. And, you know, Japanese have been using this for decades now as a cardiovascular supplement because right. it does work to prevent stroke and heart attack, and it's safe for long-term use. A couple of quick questions before we finish. Um, okay, your area of specialty is, is you know, cardiovascular, et cetera. You've been observing that very closely. But, um, you know, there's anecdotal reports in friend groups and, and people, you know, not just in this country, but other countries of other problems emerging too, like uh, turbo cancers um, and and other ailments that are hitting people that in numbers that you never saw before it uh, is there still another tsunami out there um for other adverse reactions that that you've seen you know separate of your specialty yeah i'm a cardiologist and in our autopsy paper more than half of all the deaths are cardiovascular so it's right in my wheelhouse but yeah, yeah. i'm greatly concerned um you know i'm not ready to call it right now but all experts agree Cancer rates are skyrocketing all over the world. That, that's that's unambiguous. That is self-evident to everybody. The question is why? Why is cancer skyrocketing? Now, the two leading explanations are we're just behind on screening and detection because of lockdowns and mammography, colonoscopy, and we're just going to have a catch-up period for several years. There's another theory. Another theory is the vaccines are potentially oncogenic. So what we know there is a paper from University of Pittsburgh, uh, singing colleagues demonstrated that the S2 segment, which is in the body, not after the infection, but after the vaccine, the S2 segment of the spike protein inhibits the P53 and BRCA tumor suppressor systems in, in, in a modeling study. That's worrisome because if we form cancer cells, our immune system should be able to find them and knock them out. So in theory, if we're loaded with spike protein, you know, a cancer cell forms, we may not be able to knock it out. And then the most disturbing recent breaking news is uh, Kevin McKernan, molecular biologist from Boston, first author, has a paper up on the preprint server. 
where he's examined uh, vials of Pfizer and Moderna. And in Pfizer, he's identified what's called cDNA or uh, little fragments of DNA that come off the manufacturing process. Once they got to mass production, they used E. coli uh, to generate the DNA. That's the template for the RNA. And in order to juice up the E. coli, they have to use cancer promoters that are known cancer promoters. It's called SV40. So McKernan has found SV40, the promoter and enhancer in Pfizer. This is really bad news. Three other labs that confirm it now. And if this is true, still Moderna, the, the jury's still out if Moderna has them in there. But if this is true, this is the worst of all scenarios. So now we have a situation in theory where the shots promote cancer of some sort through SV40, which is which is a proto, it's a it's a proto-oncogene promoter, turns on a cancer gene. And then once the cancer gets going, we don't have the suppressor systems to knock it out. Oh so a cancer could form and then we can't stop it. And the net clinical result would be what's called turbo cancer. And so that's wow. what's being That's observed. where that comes from. That term comes from, from yeah, not yeah, having it's just, the We're seeing out. cancers yeah. that, that go at rates that we've never seen before. We're seeing people with cancer remission suddenly it becomes active. And uh, I'm not ready to call it right now, but it's starting to look like this could be the case. Now, the emergency thing the authorities should do is they should link up all the cancer registry data with the vaccine data and see if there's any patterns. But again, the public health authorities are willfully blind. That wouldn't be difficult to do, right? That's not difficult. That's sort of 101 stuff, I take it. Okay, back to where we started. Um, and I mentioned those download figures, uh, and you, you you indicated that they were that they were impressive. So there's a, a huge demand to find out information. What happens to what you've done now? It was published here on July 6th. We're almost at the end of July. What's the timeline for it to you know, to really splash. Uh, it still could be another year before it gets in print. It still has to go through all this vetting process. You know, the the uh, editorial uh, offices of the journals, the wheels turn slowly. Uh, there may be additional comments. Uh, you know, more cases come in. We think it's a pretty solid paper. Um, we have a secondary paper just on the myocarditis, 28 myocarditis cases, where it's clear there, 100%. Is due to the vaccine. That one's out for review at a major cardiology journal. And we just have to be persistent. Uh, you know, the message has gone out. In a sense, you could say the paper did its job. People understand. Yeah. Majority of people are having autopsies. They died. It's pretty clear. You know, 200,000 reads and downloads that pretty much hit the entire academic community that's of interest in this area. And it's got a lot of secondary use uh, out there that you'd never see off the preprint server. It's now, by the way, it's automatically went up on uh, the European um, Euro PMC server and I think two others. So it's going to get a massive, massive uh, exposure. But it needs to get fully into print. It'll be in in a, a you know a printed journal and become part of medical history. Cited the National Library of Medicine. I have. Over 70 permanent historical citations in the National Library of Medicine on COVID. I have, I think, 680 overall. I'm one of the most prolific researchers in the world in terms of uh, wow. in terms of citations. And I will be successful here. But what I want to see is my colleagues come out of the closet yeah. and start having a conversation about this. They, they won't even respond to an email. I'd love to have somebody disagree with me and say, you know what, these are really safe, and McCullough, you're wrong, and here's the reason why. But they won't even respond. Well, that, that, it's that's the quiet bit out loud, isn't it? No response, no debate. 
tells you everything you need to know, perhaps. I just think it's it's so much shame. It's so much guilt. These doctors have to feel so awful. Can you imagine as a cardiologist that these vaccines are proven to cause cardiovascular death and they've been promoting it? The American College of Cardiology and all the all the cardiology societies were promoting something that caused yes. cardiovascular death. Well, the guilt doesn't go away, though. That's the thing. So um, you've got to deal with it somehow, I suppose. Um, and, and I take it if we had that autopsy information here, and we probably do to some extent, and and we kind of went down the same sort of road as your study, we'd probably get the same findings here. That would be an yeah, assumption. Yeah, it, it looks very so? reproducible. Someone contacted me from Australia, and they said they've got a 1,000 autopsies. There's some type of uh, data set that they can. I said, listen, if you can get it, let's analyze it. I bet. Listen, it's, the vaccine doesn't cause death in every single case. There's no. other things that clearly happen, and they happen to get an autopsy. Um, you can't p- blame the vaccine for a cocaine overdose or something, or heroin yeah. overdose, you right. know. But but um, but the majority, I mean, these are blood clots, uh, myocarditis, uh, intracerebral hemorrhages. It's 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 pretty obvious. Dr. Peter McCullough, nice to have you back. Thanks for making a bit of time for us and for the work you're doing. And uh, hopefully we can chat again sometime when there's more to talk about. And I'm sure there will be. So thank you. Great. Thanks for following me. Make sure you check out my website, petermcculloughmd.com. That'll take you everywhere, including the new McCullough Foundation. Great way to show support. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.